As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. That was fun. That was awesome. How great was that? Here's a little give. Oh, it's his National Tight Ends Day! Peyton Hendershot on the run! And he's going to jump in the Salvation Army kettle. So's everyone. Greg, they're only missing you. They need another tight end. Well, they're playing whack-a-mole. They got all four tight ends in the game. Nobody has more touchdowns with that personnel. Jones on the fake pressure. Coming, and he's sacked by Parsons. His second of the game. Only thing I've got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Winner, winner turkey dinner maybe a little pumpkin pie cows win cows win on thanksgiving another memorable game though another one that we're gonna surely remember in the oeuvre of cowboys thanksgiving matchups 28 20 is the final against the uh football new york giants a little close for comfort in the first half but dallas pulls away in the second half probably inspired by that brothers jonas halftime show you know, that's what I attribute it to. We're going to break it all down here on this little post-game edition of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent, introing you and producing here, joined by three of the best of the best. You only see two on YouTube, but we've got three. It's Saad Youssef from The Athletic. And the guy that was at the game last night, skipping Thanksgiving festivities like a normal person and covering your Cowboys was Father John Mashoda. And from The Freak... It's Kevin KT Turner to lead us through this one. Hey, KT, what's up, man? Hello, Kent. Thank you very much. Uh, Johnny, tale of two halves. Much like uh, much like in week three, a tale of two halves here. Um, what in the world happened to the offense in the second half? Oh, I think the first half was you're just your classic KT fun tweets playing with your food. I oh, think yes. that's the only way that you can describe... <laughs> That first half also seemed like, if you've watched this team long enough, I don't know that it really surprised you coming off of the game that they played in Minnesota that there would be kind of a slow start like that. The only reason why you should think that maybe that wouldn't be the case is because, let's be honest, that Giants team is loaded with injuries, uh, especially on that offensive line. There's not many playmakers there. So even when they were playing with their food in the first half, I don't know that you ever really thought, oh, they're not going to win this game. 
but I mean, heck, you just look back at how they've performed on Thanksgiving. I mean, they've only won three of, I think it's their last 10. This will be now four of their last 11 Thanksgiving Day games. It's not like they play great on Thanksgiving. Um, I thought they would come out and play a little bit better just because they would ride the momentum of that Minnesota game. But that was not the case. Uh, I just, I would say the biggest concern of the first half for me was the penalties. Obviously, I think that's your biggest concern of the entire game, 13 penalties and somehow still find a way to win that game. But the other thing is it was just another deck interception right before halftime, right, right, doing the same type of middle of the field, aggressive throw. And there's parts of both the penalties and that particular uh, aggressiveness that makes you wonder, you know, is that going to work against like a really good team? Is that going to work in the playoffs? Is that those type of, is that play uh, or are those penalties going to be what sends you home early? Yeah. And also, yeah. And also like playing the playing with your food thing, like, you know, the, the play calls in the first drive and the first couple of drives really was just really curious. And, and I know John, like we were talking about it last night at the game, like don't know if that was, I, I don't know that that was Kellen scripted or Dak changing things up at the line. Um, but that was just really strange the way that they like, you know, that first play CD reverse the sweep, whatever worked great. But then after that, like you don't run with your running backs at all until fourth and one getting stuffed. And I, I, I don't know. It was just a curious start. Like you said, playing with your food, but, uh, but I don't I, like, you know, I also don't know where to allocate that really, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's, it's very strange. I, I think the aggressive uh, fourth and two decision right there at your own 40, it's kind of who the Cowboys are. Maybe they don't do that if they're playing uh, the Bills or the Chiefs or the Eagles. Or maybe they do. It's, it's hard to, to really feel. We know they're going to try to be aggressive. And I think a lot of us support that um, at times. Yeah. Uh, it was just the, it was the play call decision that was very questionable. Overall, you know, you get to the halftime, you know, the, the turnovers – the first one was more concerning to me than the second one because it's another one where, for whatever reason, the communication with Dak and CeeDee Lamb was not where it needed to be, yet it's another case also where CeeDee Lamb ends up having a good box score when he when the game's over. But 13 penalties, two turnovers, yeah, you can beat the Giants. That'll get you beat against, you know, the other good you know, ones. You know, it didn't make sense to me the most out of the penalties are the false starts, the pre-snap stuff, because yeah. they were so good at that in Minnesota where it's loud and the crowd is making it difficult on you and you should have had those penalties there, but they were so locked in in that game and that, with their preparation and everything. I mean, that's the best I've seen them play. And then to come into this game, you don't have that crowd noise. And then the false starts, That's that's to me is a lack of focus that, again, you, you get a win, you go to eight and three, take it, man. You're only a game and a half back from the Eagles. Uh, everything's in front of you, all the cliches you want to say, but it's, you watch that game and, and you're like, well, you play like that. Well, you go home in the playoffs. That's, there's no, and, and, and the, and the one part of why I bring it back to the playoffs is because, you know, I could see them, let's say going to San Francisco and exercising demons and beating these the 49ers they lost to last year and they're riding high and then they lose their the next playoff game wherever they're at um because that the team kind of goes up and down like that the one thing i will say that i just feel like is a pretty solid barometer for this team is when micah parsons is making plays this team plays well you know i mean heck you look at his two sacks in the second half they weren't on third down 
But after those sacks, those drives ended. And one of them only lost a yard. So, I mean, it's quote-unquote a sack. But still, it's just one of those things where I believe that he kind of is is the barometer for this team. When he's playing well and making plays, everything else seems to be fine, and, and the Cowboys play well, too. And also, real quick, mentioning the, uh, the way they played in Minnesota, just fascinating to watch Justin Jefferson literally four days ago. You know, they just yeah. shut him down. He doesn't do anything. Four days later, boom, right back into the same Justin Jefferson we saw. That offense looked, you know, dynamic again in in Minnesota. It's not like they're not a good team. That Cowboys, you know, they clubbed a a, a very, very good team. um, And they just kind of came into this game. And you could tell they just weren't playing their best early on. And I don't know, maybe it's Thanksgiving. Maybe it's that it was a Thursday. Maybe it's that there wasn't your typical practice week. Um, But, yeah, the, the slow start wasn't great. But, like Kent said, I, I just think the only thing that you can point to is that, you know, they went in that locker room and they were like, dude, the Jonas Brothers are out there right now, and we're not going to play like this in the second half, and everything just changed. We're not going to be upstaged by the Jonas Brothers. Right. Had. Dude, these guys are going out there lip singing. We got to do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> they're making the crowd go wild, and here we are. You know, they're, they, yeah. they wanted to boo us off the field. Yeah. Yeah, real, also on that, just KT, to go back to your point on that fourth down, the play call, whatever, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I, I don't hate it. Like, I know there were people on, uh, on Twitter and stuff that were, that were, that they were like, you're at home. It's the Giants. Why are you being that aggressive? Like, don't forget week two against the Bengals. They did the same thing. They were, it was fourth down. It was Cooper Rush and it was the first drive. On that on on that situation though, they completed a pass to Noah Brown and and they ended up with a touchdown. And set, and, and when we came on the podcast after that, we talked about how that decision set the tone and and all that stuff. So I don't think you can be so results driven to where you know you know you kind of is it a good thing or a bad thing based on if it's if they make it or not. Like you said, this is just who the Cowboys are, and you gotta you gotta kind of ride the wave both times. And I think the play call could have been better. I think. The play calls before the fourth and one could have been better, but but I don't I don't I didn't hate the decision to go for it. it it's funny because like when we say what the Cowboys are, they're still hard to figure out sometimes because of how inconsistent they can be at times. They're also a team who's probably going to go get seven or eight penalties a game. Uh, they're a bottom five team in the league in terms of or a top five team in the league in terms of being penalized. And I know that was an emphasis. I watch all of us on this watch very closely other NFL games, Thursday night football, Monday night football, as much as we can on Sunday. You know, when you guys aren't covering the games or at the stadium, I've never seen defensive holding from defensive linemen called more than it is on the Cowboys. It is, I'm almost to the point where, or they maybe even taught to just hold and get away with it. And if you stop the offensive lineman from getting to the second level, then it's a success and it's worth, worth the few times that you get called for it. Because it's back-to-back weeks. Carlos Watkins got called for it. And that one was a touchdown drive. And I just, I'm just thinking about all the other football I watched. And I don't see that called on defensive linemen very often. Honestly, I don't know. It might be a technique thing that other teams are telling the refs, hey, look for this. This is something that they do. Uh, they certainly were committing holdings in that game. Though I will say the Zach Martin one looked kind of ticky-tack. I didn't I didn't yeah. really think that one on Leonard Williams. I thought he was going to the ground. I don't know that he necessarily pulled him down. And then also there's that, oh, I don't know, that Zach Martin track record where, I mean, the guy doesn't really commit very many holdings. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I 
it, it's tough because there certainly was that feel that the refs are trying to control the game. And um, there certainly were moments in that game where I thought the head official was trying to be part of the show. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but no, he um, was. Oh, Giants got screwed on the uh, offensive lineman upfield. I, I didn't think that was super egregious. No, we're right. Touchdown. Oh, my Agreed. God. Um, but I would say out of the 13 penalties the Cowboys had, in which obviously they were called for more than that, but just the 13, uh, I, I didn't see a ton where I was just like, man, what are the refs calling here? I mean, there there could have been a few here or there, but there's a lot of them where they just leave you scratching your head and you're just like, is this team locked in and focused? And maybe, hey, maybe they look at the Giants and go, hey, yeah, they're injury depleted. This team isn't really a seven and three team, you know, who knows? And and they're, they're coming off of that Vikings win and they, you know, they're just... They don't take it as seriously. They'll never say that, but you know they just come out kind of sluggish like that. I don't know. Maybe it's playing in, inside AT and T Stadium. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't play their best at home. Maybe they're a better team on the road. And heck, if they catch the Eagles, they're going to be playing playoff games on the road. So maybe that's a good thing for them. Um, but yeah, that that first half, you know, that's not going to get it done against a good team. Yeah, but by the way, when we talked about the rest being part of the show, John and I were talking about this last night at the game. Like, how about that? How about that uh, review after the CD Lamb? Um, the CD Lamb non-touchdown call when the ref comes out to announce it. I don't know if I don't know if you guys saw that where oh, yeah. he's just he's just working the crowd the entire time. Like to begin, <laughs> I was like, this is he the most he was on national television yeah. ever. Well, he started out by talking about how all the things that CD did for it to be a completed catch, and then adds at the end, but something about the foot or heel. What I couldn't even hear because everybody was like booing at that point. I'm just like, dude, just say that at the beginning. Like, what? Do, no one's here to see you. Announce the call. Let's get going here. Like, I don't know. And then there obviously is a history of that, that ref crew that they call a lot of penalties. With that being yeah, said, no I do not sucks. want to be the, the the cowboy Homer person trying to say that that's the reason. That we're not, believe me, they were super undisciplined in that game. They need to clean that up. 13 penalties, you will not beat a playoff team doing that, that type of stuff. But I also, I don't really need to see my ref crew constantly all the time like get your call in call it go on to the next play don't care to see you don't want to hear your long elaborate just boom go to the next thing let's keep the game going keep the momentum going that's what people want to see they don't want to see your long drawn out explanation of how you're going to be like and wait till you see how i end this paragraph like just keep going yeah no there's no doubt that was terrible um yeah, I thought oh one more one thing, thing on that, the deck thing yeah, yeah i don't know i mean i would think you guys do maybe you don't but you know, Kurt Warner's a big guy on the Twitter thing about uh, being aggressive in quarterback play and talks about how Kirk Cousins, you know, times not aggressive enough. You need to be aggressive to win. There's no question that Dak Prescott continues to try and be as aggressive yes. as possible. Yes. And so there are there are the negatives where you see those those turnovers, which are not something that are very much on his resume. This is not part of his history. So. There is a balance there about being over aggressive and, and, and he's got to kind of walk that line, but it is a fine line in the NFL because you also don't want to sit there as much as we've heard over the years, like, Hey, we're just going to go out there, snap the ball, whatever the defense gives us, we're just going to take it. That's not necessarily going to beat good teams. And so there is right. a part of that balancing, like, when do you take these shots? Things like that. My issue with it is the aggressiveness. I think I would like to see it a little bit more. Just a little bit. It doesn't have to be tightrope in the sideline, but a little bit more to my right and left. I, the, the middle of the field, when balls are tipped, bad things happen. There's just there's a lot of bodies around there. I mean, you can just look at the spray chart. When you got a lot of interceptions, most of the times, a good chunk of those are in the middle of the field. That's the part where it's like, I get that you're being aggressive, 
and and you're going for the big play there. Um, but now, and then here's the other thing. Now that we've seen what we've seen this season, you don't think other teams are have this on their radar too from watching film? Like, hey, a late in a quarter, late in a half, you know, late in the game, look for this right here. This is something Dak will throw to this. If there's four guys around here, and believe me, I mean, I've watched some very aggressive quarterbacks from in college with Jameis Winston to the pros of Matthew Stafford. They do some really aggressive stuff, and it can be really stupid too and lose you games. So it is a super fine line that you have to ride. Yeah, and on the CD interception, I think it was the correct read. When you go back and watch it, yeah. CD has half a step on the guy when Dak right. makes the decision to throw. And CD, I don't know if he slows down or what, but by the time the ball gets there, the corner is half a step above him. So, um, you know, I think that was just bad luck, to be honest. I don't think it was like throwing into traffic or anything like that. I think he saw CD and was trying to get him the ball. And, make, and to your point, John, the pros and cons with Dak, right? You're going to get the high ceiling, like maybe the, the non-Cooper Rush high ceiling plays, but you're also going to get the negative where Cooper Rush is more, way more in the middle. You're not going to get the high ceiling, but you're not going to get the mistakes because he's too scared to make mistakes. So um, I don't know. Yeah, you got to find that balance with Dak for sure. But I think the uh, ceiling is way higher with Dak. Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 if you do that type of a, a throw late in the first half against the playoff team and that swings momentum and all of a sudden, let's say they come back, they get a field goal off of it. I don't know. We don't have to say it's a touchdown. They get points off of that. You're not always going to have the Jonas Brothers to rally you at halftime. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. You can't always have Nick, Kevin, and Joe on call for you to bail you out of every situation. <laughs> let's down the offense for a minute because uh, Michael Gallup, Looked pretty good once again yesterday. Again, not getting separation like uh, maybe he used to, and maybe that will come in time. But five catches for 63 yards all came at, you know, it felt like pretty big moments too in the game. So good to see Michael Gallup get going. And then, my God, the tight end group, they continue to impress. The top two touchdown celebrations of the year so far this year. (laughs) And they win with whack-a-mole in the kettle. Someone step up and pay that fine for them because just incredible. Three guys in whack-a-mole with a tight end group who, outside of Dalton Schultz, we didn't talk much about. That's awesome. Big game for Jake Ferguson. Yeah, Dak said that they were. They told them, hey, you know, make sure that we're up by at least two touchdowns if you guys are going to do something like that. But, you know, we have guys on the team that can afford uh, to pay that fine for you, so go for it. Um <laughs> And obviously, Dak would be the one that would have the most money to pay for something like that. So coming from him, obviously, uh, they were all on board with that. But yeah, you know, that's the three, four tight end sets that we've seen. That's been a big part of of this offense, you know, and it's been a big part of trying to get the running game going. And those guys have been uh, very active. I think there's just no question that uh, we, if we went back to, heck, we could just go back to early September, late August. We don't even have to go back to the offseason or the draft. There's no way that we thought... Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot would be as productive just being rookie tight ends. I, I just don't see that. We you know we saw those ex- expectations. Now flip side, let's add in there. We also probably didn't think that Jalen Tolbert would have as little of impact as he did. So, you know, it, yeah. the draft is a funny thing, you know, football is a funny game. Uh, but there's just no question that, that this, that tight end group has helped elevate this offense and, um, I'm still, obviously, I think they still need Odell Beckham. I don't, I, but that game between the tight ends, and then I thought that was the best combined game that Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb have played this season. It just seems like that area of the game is, is, is trending upwards. Um, 
Might not have been CeeDee Lamb's best game. Certainly was Michael Gallup's, but together as a combo, I thought that was their best yeah. game this season. Man, Gallup's got hands. Woo. Yeah, he, especially with those early third down catches that he had, those first those first two, those were oh yeah, those were tough like contested catches. Stuck to his hands. It was awesome. Yeah, but on the on the tight ends, I will say like it, it was kind of funny. It was it, kind of funny kind of thinking about that game because Dalton Schultz has a couple of touchdowns and like you think it's like it's like, oh, this is the case for him to for the Cowboys to re-sign him. And it's almost like it was the opposite. Cause it was like, yeah, it was like, yeah, like, you know, like he had a couple of touchdowns. Great. But like, look at these two guys that are just doing the basically taking the Dalton Schultz route, basically um, to relevance in the NFL. Like this is exactly what Schultz did behind Blake Jarwin and look at where Schultz is now. And it's uh, and you know, this is kind of what you're going to see in the future as well with the, with Ferguson and, and Hendershot and both make different kinds of plays. Obviously I think, you know, the, the play of the game was, was Ferguson's hurdle was just ridiculous. Like that was, you know, the, the catch was a tough one. Uh, it was, it was a high throw. He caught it and then he, uh, and then he hurdled and then he finished strong, which is something Jerry mentioned as well. Like I thought that was probably the best play of the game. Um, one thing on Schultz real quick, you know, Mike McCarthy said a few days ago that he thinks Schultz is all, almost all the way back from that knee injury. And he talked about how big the bye week was for Dalton. You see him out there yesterday, the way he was moving around, no longer wearing that knee brace. That's a, that's huge because yeah. it's a similar in, injury to what Zeke had last year. And we saw how Zeke was after that injury. And, and, and that happened in the Carolina game last year. That, that, that was way Fun, down the right? rest of the year. Yeah. And that impacted him the rest of the season, wore the knee brace the rest of the season, obviously different positions. Obviously, injuries are not all the exact same, but the fact that he's no longer wearing the knee brace and he's playing the way he is now, uh, it just really surprises me because there were points in games after he suffered that knee injury where I was like, man, he's just not going to be right for the rest of the year. And so the fact that he's been able to overcome that uh, is pretty impressive. And then the other part of it is, is that, you know, Saad talks about those other tight ends and, and Hey, this is just, I believe they're just scratching the surface. They can get better than that. There's just no question that Dak trusts Dalton Schultz on a very high level. Um, So if they can come out with some way of working out some type of a deal uh, that can be somewhat team friendly, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I still think Dalton Schultz is going to get paid a lot of money by someone else. But if they can, I can guarantee you Dak Prescott wants that to get done because he the trust level with Dalton Schultz uh, might be the highest of he has with anybody on the team in the, the past. Tight end, tight end jet sweep to Hendershot. Like, that was very creative. And I want to go back to something you said Actually, earlier, Actually, I shouldn't John. say that. CeeDee Lamb has obviously got to be... Actions speak louder than words. The throws he throws to CeeDee Lamb, he has to have a lot of trust in him because they're they're very sure. there's a lot of very risky throws. I just saw that Ian Rapport uh, retweeted um, one of those next gen stats about you know throws um, completions over expectation, and Dak is actually second in the league this year in completing those. Um, uh, he's plus ten percent of his passes over expected since returning from the injury in Week Seven, trailing only. Jacoby Brissett, obviously. So. Okay, so the, the stat uh, doesn't matter then. Right. The guys right behind him, though, are Jalen Hurts, Matt Ryan, and Joe Burrow, just so you know. But yeah. I, I there's certainly an aggressiveness there. He certainly trusts CeeDee Lamb. There you go. There we go. Look at nice that. There. Kent on the fly. That was impressive, that? Kent. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I want to go into something you said, though, um, uh, a couple minutes ago about the Titans, John. This is where I think – it could be a blessing in disguise that they've had to get through with really just two reliable wide receivers. 
no offense, Noah Brown, but like yeah. Gallup and um, well, I guess you could look at Gallup's injury too and say, you know, when they were designing an offense for CD Lamb as your one wide receiver, and then whether it's Gallup or whether it's Noah Brown, Gallup and Tolbert, oh, you weren't planning oh. for a lot of three wide receiver sets, and Kellen adjusted, and they've been really in uh, doing a lot of stuff that's not eleven personnel and doing stuff with multiple tight ends all year long. We've seen a little bit of that over the years, but not near as much as this year. So that might be the blessing in disguise by not having three healthy wide receivers. Although we go back to clearly uh, Odell Beckham is the, maybe the NFL national you know topic du jour uh, after, after yesterday still with you, John on giants probably aren't really a real team uh, for him to consider, but you know, you got the win that was needed, and then Jerry says that they're going to uh, meet. Uh, looks like December is when they're planning to meet here. Yeah, he said he talked to him uh, yesterday uh, on the phone. It wasn't in person or anything like that, okay. but he said, well, he said at first that they had a very good meeting, and so that makes you think, like, oh, so do you guys sit down face-to-face? But no, uh, they talked over the phone, and obviously Cowboys still very interested. I just You don't hear any of this rumblings with any other team. You don't hear any other players, you know, saying stuff you just don't hear any other teams that are as involved as the Cowboys and I asked Jerry if he thinks Odell will be able to play in a game this season and you know overly optimistic Jerry didn't even say that he knows for sure because they don't know where the medicals are you know that's a report that's come out too from a couple different places that you know he might not be able to return this season uh just because of where he's at with where you know having the surgery second time on that same uh left ACL that uh, it might be it, it might take him a little bit longer to come back. Uh, I know Ian Rapport had reported within I don't know it's within the last few months that uh, he was on the Pat McAfee show and he was talking about how there's um, I don't know he probably got it from a source pretty close to Odell but said that that surgery that he had on that left knee in 2020 I guess it didn't go well and I guess the doctor didn't do a great job and so. When he had when they had to go back in there and fix this torn ACL, which is to the same same knee, same ACL, they believe that this procedure was a huge success and it'll be able to uh, advance his career and and and, and might have added years onto his career because of how successful it was. So maybe they're going to be extra cautious about when he comes back. But it is you don't hear the same aggressiveness in regards to him that you did a few months ago when it was reports would come out. Four, five, six, seven teams linked. And now it's like Cowboys and Giants. And you talk to people that cover the Giants and around the Giants, and they're just like, yeah, I mean, they're interested, but it also doesn't line up with stuff that they would do either. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. And then you see the way that they've played. Like, Is is Odell giving him a multi-year deal really match up with where this Giants team is? It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So, I mean, it could be the Cowboys just bidding against themselves. But they're they're still interested and um, – and hey, I still think he can make uh, a big impact on this offense if he's healthy and, and ready to play. And so, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah. But I don't know that it's a guarantee that he's going to end up on the team. But I think if he plays football this year, I would be surprised if it was for anybody but the Cowboys. Yeah. And one thing I'll say on Odell, one thing that I really liked what Dak did yesterday was was kind of kind of kind of tap the brakes a little bit on the recruiting and and all that stuff yeah. because. Honestly, it was starting to get become a little bit of a bad look in terms of like, you know, like, yes, you want to recruit the guy and, and Mike has been doing it Demarcus Lawrence, Dak, everyone. But I also thought like, you know, you just had you, you just had Michael Gallup have the game that he did. CD have the game that he did. Their tight ends have the game. 
And, you know, Dak being the leader that he is, it wasn't surprising that he did kind of, you know, take that moment in the press conference to be like, hey, look, I've made it clear. Like, I want Odell, but I, I have confidence in these guys right here. Like, we have the team that we need. And, and, I, and I think that's important to do from a leadership standpoint because you don't want to make it look like, you know, um, your entire season is riding on whether Odell signs with the Cowboys or not because, you know, that, that's, that's a little bit of a uh, risky message that you're sending throughout your locker room. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no doubt, Maliki. There's six games left, right? So you kind of get in this world of, okay, well, uh, at what point does it make sense for him to come join the thing? I mean, if you if next week next next, next Indianapolis will be tough, and we'll talk about that in our next podcast later in the week. Indianapolis, because of what they've gone through with their coaching staff, looks like a joke. They're still a tough team and good at some uh, you know certain portions of their game. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, I, I want to talk about the defense a little bit before we get out of here. Uh, I was on, on why we're still on the offense, though, KT. Yeah. Um, Zeke, really nice game. Yeah, Zeke looked good to yesterday. put that out there. Zeke yeah, looked for sure. really nice yesterday. And um, I don't know what he has to do. Like, does he have to break off an 80-yard touchdown run for people to be like, oh, okay, Zeke's, Zeke, Zeke can be the guy. Zeke, Zeke can be Zeke again. Because he's been playing really well, and the and the the narrative is still, yeah, Tony Pollard though. Uh, I just yeah. want to give a shout out to Zeke. I see you, boy. It's it, to me, it's just the contract. It's not anything that he can yeah. do on the on the field. Like I think some people just can't get over that contract, and and I and I get it, but that's that's just the reality of the situation. Like I think if he's playing the same way, Kent, the way that he did yesterday in recent weeks, um, and he has half the contract that he does, I don't. I, I think people are giving him his his due a lot more. The joke at the Thanksgiving situation I was at was if Zeke got a carry for five yards, it was like multiply every carry by three, and that's what Tony Pollard would have got. Now you can go look at the stats and the yards per carry and all that, and Zeke definitely had more yards per carry. I think we saw the simple the plan, though. Both guys getting about, uh, let's see, Tony Pollard had 18 carries, Zeke had 16. About even. That's what the Cowboys are going to want to do. Dak around 30 throws. That's about what the Cowboys are going to want to do. I definitely was um, 
wrong on Saquon. I thought the Giants were going to try to give Saquon the ball 25 times, and he wasn't effective. The Cowboys' run defense should get some credit for keeping him in check, and you know maybe that offensive line is not amazing, but I uh, Brightwell uh, broke broke off a couple runs of, of of a little value there, but. The Cowboys, you know, run defense pretty good yesterday. Just allowed 90 yards on the ground and uh, Saquon 11 carries for 39 yards. So we need to like be able to give them credit. We can kill them when they get gashed. We need to give them credit when they uh, do good. They were they were all over that. I thought I thought the Giants came out throwing more than I thought they would. I thought I thought they would kind of stick to it, but maybe the Giants had a feeling they had to put up some points. It's just weird to gauge that first half. It's such a strange first half of football. But, I was stunned yeah. that I was stunned the way the Giants answered right back after that Cowboys first score when they, the Cowboys scored their first touchdown made it seven to three, and the way that New York just marched right back down the field on them. Uh, what was it? Here we go. Nine plays, seventy five yards, five and a half minutes. Like I was, I was surprised that they that they were able to do that. I thought just the way the momentum was, I was like, oh, this will be where the Cowboys kind of pull away, and and the Giants answered right back. I, and so yeah, I I just look at their offense and there's not a lot of weapons there. There's not a lot of no. things that would that would worry you as a defense. But with all that being said, when you're watching that first half, there just wasn't many times where you notice Micah Parsons and you're like, oh, is this going to be one of these games like the Green Bay game where you didn't hear his name called very much? And then the second half, he goes and gets both sacks and you just see him a lot more around the quarterback and changing throws and you know getting pressure and things like that and. That defense, man, when, when, when Micah's playing like that, he just takes that defense to another level. Yeah, and I, I should too, like, it's good that they get a long week. You know, the Cowboys have been victim of the schedule um, for many years. It's just they get the Thursday after Thanksgiving. So to get the 10-day break, I think it's good. You had the highly emotional game in Green Bay, another road trip up north to Minnesota, and then short week for, for the Giants. I mean, that's, that's a lot of uh, – kind of like emotional games and emotional swings and things in there. And to, to get a, a bit of a long week, I think is very good. And then you get ramped up for your final six. I mean, eight and three. I The, the last thing I really want to say, and you guys can have your closing thoughts. When you look at NFL point differential, I've always been a big believer in that being uh, for the most part, pretty accurate. I think there's times when there's some outliers, but if you really follow point differential and how teams end up sticking it to teams and how teams avoid getting blown out and things like that, I feel like that often says a lot. Look, the NFL point differential leaders in this league are Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys, and Eagles. Those are your top four teams in the NFL. And if you want to start arguing that maybe the 49ers could get in there, maybe the Bengals get in there when Jamar Chase gets back, or maybe the Ravens with the way their defense has been playing, you can. But the clear top four teams in the league right now are Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys, and Eagles. Hot dog. Week 16 is going to be nuts. I mean, San Francisco ain't far off. Yeah, I think San Francisco's right there, man. Yeah, they're right underneath and, 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 the Chiefs at plus 63. When I watch San Francisco, it just feels like it's all coming together again, and we've seen yeah. them do this year after year, and I don't know if it's just the way their offense works. The trade for McCaffrey, whatever you think, his numbers haven't been eye-popping yet. When you watch him play, you're like, oh, God, i got to cover him out of the backfield. And it just makes you nervous when you're watching him. So. But we'll see what happens, you know, over this football weekend. John, you finally get a Sunday where you can stay at the house and not go cover a game. How about that? Yeah, man. I like I'm I'm so used to covering Thanksgiving games that I don't mind it at all. They they feed us very well out there. Um yeah, I mean, AT&T Stadium, it's a nice place to be around. I mean, for me, those the people that I work with, I'm around 
more than I'm around yeah. my family. So, uh, no, it was, it was cool. And, uh, I just couldn't believe how poorly that the Cowboys have played in previous Thanksgivings and you kind of forget about it. And then they win. I think you're like, wow, you know, it has been kind of a while. I mean, that was the first time they won a Thanksgiving in four years. So, uh, yeah, you know, get to watch some other, uh, NFL games on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Saad, is your closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I thought, like, you know, same thing, the Thanksgiving uh, streak to get broken. Like, I think Jerry Jerry was kind of surprised with that, too, after the game when it was brought up to him how much they've struggled on Thanksgiving. But uh, but I think, you know, overall, like, I, I thought the second half was was kind of more indicative of what it needs to be. Um, there, was, there was one drive there where, you know, I think it was before Schultz's second touchdown where the it was just a penalty or injury every single play, and that drive took forever. But uh, generally, uh, the the one the one thing that I, I do want to talk about because John and John and I were having a good laugh about this in the press box. Jalen Smith, I I don't know if you've seen the play. I don't I don't know if you've seen yeah. the, uh, the 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 highlight on Twitter of him just going up and people's elbowing just the the entire thing. That was absolutely people's amazing. elbowing. I haven't seen this. Look at John's right, I'll, Twitter I'll, feed. I'll direct, I'll direct oh, messages please. to you. This is one oh of those. I did see Dak throw a big block on him uh, no, late in the game was... when they ran the ball to the left side. It was just <laughs> yeah, a one-on-one Dak and Jalen. I was like, oh, I wonder what the, what was said there. No, this is one This is one of those, Kent, where you're like, oh, the play's over. Uh, oh, I nothing. saw him swipe on, uh, no, on, no, no, on the first no, drive no, of the no, game. No, no. It's this, like, okay, the first quarter, there's 13 minutes left in the first quarter, Jalen. I just so, DM'd <laughs> you on I just DM'd it to you on Twitter. Uh the play's over, and it's one of those things where it's like one one thousand two one th- oh, here comes Jalen <laughs> wants to get in on this tackle. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, classic. So yeah. and just being completely transparent here, I did this my sophomore year of high school. <laughs> And the ref told me, son, if you do that again, I'm throwing you out of the game. So uh, <laughs> he just jumps on the pile. Yeah. So don't uh, call me wow. son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait to see what they do in the film room on that one. He's going to yeah. get lit up. It's going to be worth it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's another reason that you know that the Giants aren't good is when, you know, Jalen Smith plays 70 snaps a game for them. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, starting middle linebacker, isn't he? It's like, wow. That's amazing. And it's all the same stuff. Jalhard Ward, too? Well, Jalhard Ward there. Remember, didn't we trade uh, trade for him? Switzer? Jalen Smith is just the definition of doing too much. You know, there's yes. just always too much. Like, um, you know, he could have uh, like a game-winning play and – the way he reacted to it right after the play, the celebration would be the most ridiculous over the top thing you've ever seen. And then the way he would talk about it after the game would be the most ridiculous over the top thing. Um, I don't know. It's he's, he's a fascinating dude because I cannot compare him to any other, you know, person, <laughs> a- athlete, anything. Extra. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I just, I don't know, man. Wild. Yeah, wild. wild. Didn't want to give a shout out to Jalen because that was uh, <laughs> that was one of the best plays of the game. It really yeah. was. So yeah. funny. <laughs> Behind the Ferguson hurdle, right yeah. there, right there. In the yeah, CD off the helmet catch. Uh, the Darius Slayton uh, one-handed grab. CD's b- behind the back of the end zone. Who certainly a catch in college looked like it was going to be a touchdown catch. Uh, there, there was a lot of, and then the whack a mole. I mean, there was 
That second half really took it to the next level. You know, boring first. I got a text from my mom. She's like, that first half was really boring, but things got really exciting in the second half. I was like, I know, mom. It was crazy. (laughs) Uniforms look great, too. Uniforms were awesome. I don't know why they had white pants with both teams, but that is what it is. It's kind of (laughs) weird. Yeah, the the, the worst uniform choice of the day was Wink Martindale. Whatever he was doing. (laughs) <laughs> with the vest and then the the uh, tights upper like the upper tights, you know what I'm saying? He wears that hat like mullet. real high. Does like that Wayne real high like trucker sound like trucker a stand up comedian from the 1920s? He does. He sounds like the guy who used to host. Now oh, come on, too. Wink Martindale. I think that's what wasn't. Isn't that the original Wink Martindale? I think it is. is it somebody is that stand up comic, the host. Not a stand up. No, 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 no. Not a stand up comic, but the game show host. Yeah, like oh, I don't he know. was a DJ. Yeah, I just. I like that uh, 19 whatever's reporter guy voice you did there, Kent. Thank you. See? All right. 8-3. We'll keep a sharp Wink eye Martindale. on the... We'll keep a sharp eye on the... Uh, I guess the Eagles Tic-tac-do have... Tic-tac-do uh, was Winston, the name of the show. Winston Conrad Wink Martindale, an American disc jockey, radio personality, game show host, television producer, six-decade career. He's best known for hosting Gambit from 72 and 76 to Tic Tac Doe from 78 to 85. Well, John, that who was didn't 65 know, years ago. We can who never didn't, know. Who'd, oh, jeez. Why are we doing this? This is a great name, Wink Martindale. I mean, you're, you're destined to be in some high-profile job if your name's Wink Martindale. Hey, right. Wink, yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. See you guys later in the week. Get you ready for the Colts. Uh, well, obviously... Uh, touch on anything of note uh, from the NFL weekend that should happen uh, where the Cowboys have to weirdly become, uh, Cowboys fans weirdly have to become Packers fans because the Packers play the Eagles on Sunday night. Uh, And the Commanders just keep their head above water. They got the Falcons and that should just be riveting. Just freaking riveting. Uh, For Saad Youssef, who is handling the beat for the Dallas Stars, make sure you're following Sweet Saad Youssef. For Father John Machota, the best in the biz. He lives at AT&T Stadium. And for our producer, Kent Garrison. I'm KT. We'll see you next week as we get you ready for the Colts on About Them Cowboys. Those silver and blue guys are the Dallas Cowboys. They're daddy's favorite team.